We're not a church from 400 years ago like Protestants. We're not even like 60 years ago like non-denominational churches who think they, they know everything. They've only been around for 60 years. Or the Mormons 200 years or Jehovah Witnesses. Our church has been around for 2,000 years. I'm sure many of you saw the interview with Eric Tafoya, part one. This is part two. But for those of you who didn't, remember, uh, Eric Tafoya is a stunning witness to the truth of the faith. He is an ex-gang member, ex-drug addict, dealer, a ex-convict, ex-murderer, ex-criminal, ex-Jehovah Witness, ex-Calvinist, anti-Catholic, and then became a Catholic. It is unreal. We're catching him in his conversion story with this show. If you haven't seen the beginning yet, Please go back and watch it. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Three years ago, I got out of prison and I planned a lot of stuff and I said, God, I'm going to be a part of your church. I'm confirmed. I'm going to be diligent with sharing the faith. I'm not going to give up. It's not. And a lot of people will say, oh yeah, you were all holy when you were in prison, Eric. But when you get out, like a lot of people say, it's, it's a stigma that a lot of ex-cons, ex-addicts have on them is that, oh, you're just going to go back to your old ways. Once you leave incarceration, you're going to fall into your old ways. And when I got out, it was a struggle at first, to be honest with you. It was an extreme struggle because I expected family to be there for me. And not a single person wanted to be there for me. They're like, mm. not only have, were you a drug addict and a murderer and all these other things you are, but now you're Catholic. You know, and all my family had gone away from Catholicism, except for my grandma. Bless her soul. She's in a convalescent home right now. She has um, dementia. She's the only one that loves me. And, you know, even though she doesn't remember me most of the time. And so then all of a sudden I got out and I, for one week I was homeless. And I was like, um, I had places to stay at a hotel room and everything. And I had a little bit of money because I had I had won a, some kind of lawsuit from Chipotle's and they had sent me money right before I got out of prison. I won like a $1,300 lawsuit. My name was in it. I wasn't a part of the lawsuit, but I guess it was because of like overtime. So I had money when I got out. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I called my parole officer and said, man, I'm struggling to find a place because there was a time where I was going to say, you know what? Let me just go to this girl's house or let me go to my old friend's house. Even though I know he sells drugs there, let me go over there because I need somewhere to live. You know, I need somewhere to stay. And I got on my knees. I remember I was passing this park up and I just begged him. I said, I know you haven't brought me this far, Heavenly Father, for me to fall dead on my face. I know you haven't transformed me for me to be just go back to that old way of living. And I dropped on my knees and I prayed in front of St. Joseph, the worker in Loma Linda. There's a park right next to it. And then they have a Blessed Virgin Mary statue right there. Mama's statues right there. And I went in front of him and I said, please, I know you have me. And because it was during COVID. So even parole didn't have any kind of funding for me because I said, well, it's the heart of COVID. We can't get you in nowhere. But I did call my parole officer and I told him I have $600. 
can you please find me a place to stay? I have money. I can do it myself. And never before in my life had I ever been self-sufficient. Never before in my life had I ever turned toward God instead of turning towards drugs or a path of life that was going to lead to my destruction again. And this moment in my life, now being a Catholic, knowing the virtues, knowing asceticism, knowing I have to mortify the flesh, knowing that every day when I put on my armor, I'm going to have to fight. That's why Paul says, put on the armor. St. Paul says, put on the armor of God. Not because he's trying to be cute. Not because you're going to march around. Oh, I got the armor of God on. Hallelujah. No, because when a soldier puts on his armor, he's ready to battle. He's ready to fight. And, and you know, my professor actually said, you know what? I do have a place for you. So uh, it was about a week and a half after I was out. I started renting my own little room. I lived in a room with another guy, but not for the first time in my life. I was self-sufficient, and I found a job that first week I was out. Still have the same job as a welder fabricator. Um, to this day, three years later, first time I ever had a job longer than six months. I had never been consistent with anything ever in my life. Now being Catholic and understanding the battles and understanding these vices and understanding that I have to work towards my salvation every day and the devil doesn't want me happy. I saw that. So then, okay, now I'm grounded. I got a place. I got a home. I'm in the faith. I'm praying the rosary every day. I'm saying in scriptures. Now I need to find a church. And that's where it kind of struggles continues to happen because all my family's rejected me since I've been out. Um, sometimes it, it can be a little, it gets a little to me because I know who I am in Christ now. And it's like, dude, I'm not that same person no more. Like, I know you guys understand. I lived like that forever, but like, I'm new in Christ. Like, for real, this guy, you see all just, I'm new in Christ. I'm sober. It's been actually, it's going to be eight years this year. Um, you know, uh, sober, I'm self-sufficient. I'm in the church. Like, please, like, but even in the church, I'm all tatted down. Even though I got all religious tattoos, I actually have shackles that are broken right here on my wrist. I have sacred heart right here, Templar night, mama right here, Jesus back here, last supper on my back, Roman Catholic across my chest, all my gang tattoos I covered up. But when people see these tattoos, especially in the faith, like I can always say there's always a lot of dry Catholics in the faith. Sorry, I don't, I'm not knocking nobody. No, but they just don't see the power of the Holy Spirit enough. And so they judge, very judgmental. Who's this guy that's on fire? You know, I understand I'm new. I understand I have a past. So I had to endure through all these things. But a lot of people rejected me. Not necessarily rejecting me, but kind of like, okay, don't get me wrong. There's been some amazing people that have been in my life that totally have embraced me since I've been out. I have a couple mentors that I have, a couple priests. I have two vocational directors. Um, Father Renze from Holy Name of Jesus, Father Duong from the cathedral. Remember that cathedral that I was telling you about that I prayed and I asked God to take this away from me? I said, please take this drug addiction away from me. He took it away from me, but somebody had to lose their life. That same place that I was begging God to take away my addiction. I live two blocks from now, and that's actually my parish where I left her. But it was a struggle there. You know, there, there, there. You know, a lot of Catholics everywhere. They're kind of like, "Hey, who is this guy? We got to watch out for him. He's all tatted up." And at the time, I wouldn't dress in long sleeves. Like I now, every time I go to mass, I dress to impress because I'm about to see my king. But at that time, I didn't. I would just wear short sleeves and go. You know, I'm all showing my tattoos off and stuff. I'm proud of them. I love my tattoos, by the way. I, I, I really do. I enjoy them because it reaches the younger crowds, especially when I have mosaics. Over, it's like mosaics all over my body, Jerusalem cross right here, um, my patron saint, Saint Athanasius of Alexandria under my arm right here, you know, defender of the church, that's my patron saint right there, and so Saint Athanasius, pray for us, 
And so um, as I was continuing to go in, I said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to have long suffering. You were so patient with me and everything that I've been doing. Help me to continue enduring this and to going through this little by little. Even though I was hurting, I wanted people's love. I yearned for people's love, you know. And so being now two years, self-sufficient, doing everything the right way, involved in church, lector. I help with RCIA. I usher sometimes. I do the changing of the seasons. Knights of Columbus. I'm actually the director of life, so I'm big time. I'm pro-life. Even before I became part of the Knights of Columbus, I go to the abortion clinics every weekend. Every weekend, I go there just by myself, and I pray the rosary. I don't intercede with the women too much. When there's women there with me, I'll act. I'll talk with them. I'll, I'll get this interaction with them. I mean interaction. But I just intercede with intercede for them through prayer. Um, I just don't feel it's my spot to go at a woman. I don't know the hurts. I don't know the things that they're going through, but I pray for them. I pray for the physicians. I pray for the little babies. And I pray for those men that aren't being in those women's life, that aren't taking a hold of their family and being moral. And I pray for the morality of America, because that's what it really boils down to. The devil wants us all to sin. But when we start going back to the morals, our moral compass, and start following the commandments and the love of God, that's where everything starts changing. And so now I'm on my third year. I'm part of um, El Sembrador. I don't know if you ever heard of Esni. No. El Sembrador, it's called The Sower. It's a big Spanish ministry, but we have an English ministry. Noel Diaz is his name. Very big in the Americas. This ministry is like in Spain. So I'm a part of that ministry, Crucio, Knights of Columbus, Catholic Men's Fellowship. I have a Bible study at my house every other Saturday called Iron Sharpens Iron. One brother shall sharpen another, speaking life into men. Um, very big now on just wanting to share what God's doing in my life. Like I was saying earlier, we should all let our light shine like you do so that we can show the good works that we're doing and bring glory to God because we're not doing our works. You're not on this show. I'm not here right now because I'm saying, oh, look at me. Because like I like saying, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul, which is Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here today, you know, evangelizing, sharing the faith, um, being keen and knowing who God is in every single one of us. And if God and the reason why I'm so active with wanting to share this is because if God can change a filthy rag like me, if, if his mercy and grace can transform me and I'm not diagnosed with nothing. I remember I told you earlier, they said that I was bipolar, schizophrenic. I've gone to the psychologist again. I am sane as day. I am self-efficient. I got my own place now for two and a half years. I have an apartment for two and a half years. I drive a newer car. All my bills are paid. Credit score is above 800 right now. Just had to throw that one in there. Nothing like having a good credit score. You know, never thought about that before. And just about going back into like the ghettos and the barrios and sharing transformation with them because I'm working on my bachelor's degree right now in sociology. So I do go to a secular college. And but I'm kind of like I'm cunning like a snake, but I'm gentle as a dove because to be in their in their areas, people want to leave the secular colleges. But if we leave the secular colleges, then we leave our brothers and sisters alone. So I've worked my way into there. I'm actually going to be a part of the board of directors this Thursday. I get voted in the board of directors for the school, making decisions on where money goes, the different centers that we have there. Um, and I, they don't know I'm really conservative. And how Catholic I am. I'm part of the Catholic Newman Club, and I'm a, I'm actually an officer 
for the Catholic Newman Club at Cal State San Bernardino. So just extremely active of who I am. I'm going to be the first Catholic, the first conservative that's going to sit on their board because everybody else that sits on their board is liberal. But I had, except for the president, he's Catholic, he's Catholic and he's conservative, but he's very low key because for him to get to that position, he can't open his mouth at all. But he told me, Eric, your YouTube channels, try to stay away from the transgender stuff. Try to stay away from the pro-life stuff, even though there is a lot of pro-life stuff on my channel, um, traditional urban Christian on YouTube. Um, but he goes, work your way in there. Don't put too much stuff on your Instagram because I've been, uh, I, I'm starting to get a good Instagram following too. I put stuff every day, just it's like a blog to show what God's doing in my life. But I'm getting in those spaces. Why? Because we need to make sure that we are in those spaces. They've infiltrated our church. We need to infiltrate back now. We need to stand up for who Jesus Christ is in our lives. We need to be active, not just going to church. That's not enough. Our future generations depend on the choices that we make. The consequences of our choices will result in a better future for our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren, for anybody else that's in this that's in the world that's a part of our faith, and even just for Christians. So I'm not just standing up for Catholic Christians. I'm trying to do these things for everybody who professes Christ as a Catholic Christian, as a Roman Catholic, as a proud Roman Catholic, the church that Christ built in 33 AD, it's, it's everything to me. And being Catholic, joining Catholicism, and actually knowing and embracing the teachings has transformed me into this soldier for Christ, to this man who wants to stand up, even when people are like, don't talk about Jesus. No, I wear my sacramentals. This is like, I like it because it has the military cord. It's a it's a rosary, but this is the kind you can wear because it has the military rope on it. I heard that these are the you can wear these ones, and it has all my little my miraculous medals: Saint Padre Pio, Saint Athanasius of Alexandria, Mama Mary, Saint Michael the Archangel, and Saint Charbel, and Saint Benedict are on my miraculous medals right here. And I really believe it that we should wear it proudly wherever we go. I don't care where I'm at. It's always either this or my Benedict cross is always out. And I try to engage with a lot of brothers and sisters. Always wear it. Don't just, don't just say we're Catholic. This is how people know who we are, not just by the way we love one another, but when they see the miraculous medals, they know who we are. They, the devil can't turn away from who that is because they, he, he knows what Catholics, what we wear, you know? Tell us about CrossFit. You've got uh, a very neat program that you um, tell people about to give them the essentials. What's that? You guys know CrossFit out there, cross training. It's like this full body workout. So, you know, I got a story where I asked a friend, hey, he works out all the time. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you want to go for a, a hike with me? And he's out. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll go for a hike with you. We went on this hike. I dominated the guy in the hike. Why? Because he always works his upper body. He wasn't working his lower body, and so he started getting cramps. He's, he couldn't make the full hike. And so the reason why is because he didn't do the full cross-train workout. And so now I re reflect this on cross-training. And so cross-training to me is let – me, let me get out of the way a little bit. Or let me just show you right here. It's the cross. And so I talk about this cross-training right here. There's four points of the cross we have on here, correct, where Jesus' head sat – where his feet were nailed, where his hands were both nailed to the cross. And so with CrossFit in the physical aspect, that physical workout, 
it trains the entire body. So no matter what you're doing, you're full fit. I do CrossFit at, at, at when I work out at the gym. I love going to the gym. It's a big part of my who I am. And the Bible does say out there that physical workout does profit you a little. I know spiritual workout profits you in abundance, but it's an important thing to understand that the Bible does say that physical workout profits you. So with CrossFit, cross training, it's called cross training. I take every point of the cross. The top part of the cross I talk about is the Eucharist, which is the source and summit of our faith. There are efficacious graces and powers. Every time you take the Eucharist, it transforms your heart, your mind. It gives you forgiveness and love. We remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, that sacrifice that he did for us that lasts a lifetime. And we keep on taking it every time we go to Mass. So going to Mass and taking the Eucharist is vital because like the Catechism says, it is the source and summit of our faith. Jesus says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has life in you. So he who doesn't eat his flesh and drink his blood has no life in you. Remember that. And even before he says that, he says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, he wants us to hear that taking this is extremely important. And even in Corinthians 11, St. Paul says, take it as often as you can until Christ comes back important part of it but i notice a lot of people that go to mass and they go to church and yeah they're awesome individuals hey they're going to mass they're taking the eucharist praise god but there's always like something's missing they always seem a little dry they always seem like honoring a little bit and so i cross training now leads me to the bottom of the cross where i actually speak about praying with my 60 millimeter and so my see everybody knows what a millimeter is it's a gun well, my 60 millimeter, that's a big shell. Like they're big like that. But my 60 millimeter is the Holy Rosary. Why? Because there's 60 beads on our rosary. Praying it every day gives us strength. It gives us power. We meditate on Jesus's life. Plus, Padre Pio says it's the one of the greatest weapons, if not the greatest weapon that we have to defend against the devil. The devil don't got no power when you're in the rosary. And it's like our, our buddy Taylor Marshall says, those who don't pray the rosary daily aren't on the team. You know, so we're, you're on the team when you're praying the rosary, even, even if it's hard for you at first to get into praying the rosary, everybody out there, go on YouTube, start off slow, go to YouTube, get, they have different ones. You can get a rosary that's an hour. You can get a rosary that's 15 minutes. But at least listen to it. Understand what the rosary is about if you're not already praying the rosary today. Because going to Mass, taking the Eucharist, that's already efficacious graces in the Eucharist. But now praying and getting more graces. And our Blessed Mother wants us to pray this for the salvation of the world and to bend us against the devil. It makes you a little bit stronger now. But even at that, we got the Eucharist. We got the rosary at the bottom. I also believe that it's important on this side of the cross now I talk about is learning the doctrine of the faith and, and reading the Bible. It's important. You know how many times I've gone up to Catholics when I wasn't Catholic and I would say like, hey, you know that you shouldn't call nobody father or you know that baptism is just a symbol. Um, it, there's really nothing going on or the Eucharist is just a sign or it's a symbol. It's not really his body and blood. You know how many times I've told people that and they're like, oh, or why are you praying to the saints? You're only supposed to pray to God, you know, different things like that. And knowing your faith empowers you 
to be a strong Catholic so that you don't capitulate to their, or like when you have a cross on, I've seen a lot of people, I've asked them, hey, what is that miraculous medal around your neck? And people will actually get it and they'll put it, oh, it's nothing, it's, I'm Catholic. And they'll put it away, but they won't explain like who's on there or what it means because knowing your faith, knowing why we wear the miraculous medals, knowing why we wear the crucifix or why we pray rosaries, it's important because it empowers you to be proud of being Catholic. This is the church that Christ built two over 2,000 years ago. We're not a church from 400 years ago like Protestants. or We're not even like 60 years ago like non-denominational churches who think they, they know everything. They've only been around for 60 years. Or the Mormons 200 years or Jehovah Witnesses. Our church has been around for 2,000 years. And even our traditions of the rosary, you know, just the rosary was given before any of the other churches were even built. Or even like, you know, before some man built those churches. And so it's important that we know why we pray it and why the, there's an intercession of the faiths and why we have the communion of the saints and how important their prayers are for us because we see that there's a great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12. And they're up there cheering us on. They're like in an arena up there in the Shekinah glory cloud. They're in that cloud in the sky where God dwells. He's been dwelling since the Israelites, protecting them. He's also watching over us with the angels and saints praying for us. They're praying for us in heaven. They're interceding like the elders that are in Revelations. They're offering our prayers in gold incense bowls to God. These elders in heaven, those are the saints. They're doing it. But when we understand these doctrines and not just say it or not just ask a prayer, uh, a saint to pray for us, but we can actually go into scriptures and share, oh, man, you know how strong you feel? And they're like, whoa, I didn't know that before. You'll start making Protestants and all those other de denominations capitulate. You'll start making them back off the more you know your faith. It's more, and you know, but these are the things I want to encourage people about doing. So once again, Eucharistic Mass, sourcing some of our faith, our 60 millimeter, praying the rosary. This side is, remember, the Catholic, the Bible is a Catholic book. We've been preserving it for 2,000 years. We've been holding on to it through all the oppression, through all everything we've gone through, through the different emperors that were killing us off, straight genocide on our faith that's been happening for the last 2,000 years. We still held bound to those scriptures and we protected them, put them away. We kept preaching the gospel. Even our oral traditions, the Catholic faith, that's within us. We've been passing on before the Bible was even put together. And no, King James wasn't the first Bible. I know a lot of Protestants think that. The Bible's been together for 2,000 years. King James just put it together miraculously. Um, so um, knowing our faith, knowing the teachings, knowing the historicity of the Catholic Church is vital. And you don't got to get all deep into it and all theological, but just to know little points to help you defend it goes a long ways. People will see that you're more than just a, a ritual Catholic. Or, you know, you're just a Catholic who's been going on from his families, you know, cradle Catholic that's just been going. But you actually love Jesus so much that you want to little, learn a little bit more about him. Because the more you learn about Jesus, the more you know about the faith, the more you know about your family. And it always feels so good when you know more about your family. It just brings this joy to your heart. It brings joy to God when we learn more about our faith. When we have this hunger to learn more about it. We watch TV People are on YouTube, Instagram, scrolling, learning all kinds of other stuff like work. But when we actually learn our faith, we're making God happy. 
It brings joy to his heart when we're in his word. And in his word, he says that we should meditate on it day and night in Psalms 1 so that you can be like that tree that's planted next to a river that anything that you do, you'll always prosper. It'll always be fruitful. You won't wither up. Why? Because our vines are always in the word. And we know that the living word, not just the Bible, but the living word is Jesus. And he's given us the word so that we can grow stronger in our faith. And so now this other part of the cross I'll get to is fellowship and ministry is important. And hey, I love you women out there. Most of the women serving in the churches out there are so strong and vital. But men also, like, it's important that we get together because I notice that a lot of women have a lot of ministries. I notice men that we lack in our faith having these ministries where we get together. Thank God I'm around some really strong men's ministries out here. I'll actually be speaking at a couple of these ministries. Be like 200 men together. 200 men after a men's mass at Sacred Heart Chapel in um, Rancho Cucamonga. I'm going to be the keynote speaker there June 17th. And then there's another men's breakfast that's about 125 men at St. Peter and Paul. Edify each other up. Oh, rise up, man of God. You know, let's let's rise up, men of God. Let's defend our family. Let's defend our faith. And when we fellowship, we sharpen each other. We build each other up. We edify one another. We speak life into one another. Fellowship and being involved in ministry at church. You can feel like an outcast if you're just sitting in the seats. And I like to say being a pew potato. Like, you know, a lot of people just go and they sit in the pews and they leave. Only 8% of our church actually serves in tithes. Let's get more involved. So this is what I'm going to be speaking at these men masses. Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. Being involved in ministry and fellowship is vital to the growth. And the reason why I'm on fire like this, it's not because of me. It's because I work every day. I work on my salvation every day with fear and trembling. Almost mass every day. Adoration. I forgot to add that up here because that goes with the Eucharist up here. Going to adoration too. I was just there this morning. Before I prayed, before I came here, because I was a little nervous, you know, a little nervous, a little anxious, just want to make sure that I'm getting Christ across, not anything else, but the price that he paid on Calvary, sharing that with, we're the, we're the original evangelists, and I hope that people can understand that, like I was telling you earlier, we're the original evangelicals. We preach the gospel. We've been doing it for the last 2,000 years. People talk about people going on missions nowadays. Oh, they're doing this or doing that. Hey, we've been doing it for 2,000 years. Why do you think there's a Catholic church on the, every corner of the earth? We're the original evangelicals. We're the original Pentecostals. Our birthday's coming up. Hey, you know, the birthday of the church is on the Feast of the Pentecost. You ask Pentecostals. I was at a Pentecostal church one day, and I told them happy birthday, and they go, what are you talking about? I'm like, what? They didn't even preach about Pentecost on Pentecost. That is just the weirdest thing in the world. You guys are Pentecostals, but you're not preaching Pentecost on Pentecost? Woo, way out there. And so we're the original Baptists, because we've been baptizing, we've been baptizing since the beginning. When 3,000 were baptized right there in the in the book of Acts 2:42, they repented and were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. We've been doing it for 2,000 years. And so once again, cross-training. I'll be speaking it. I'm also a speaker too. 
part of Toastmasters International. So praise God, he's given me the, all these different things so I can go stronger in my faith, learn how to speak, articulate in myself in a way that people can understand. Whether I'm speaking to guys who were homies, I can bring myself to that level. Whether I'm speaking to intellectual men and women, or whether I'm speaking to, having to speak a little softer to older crowds, I learned to become all things to all men, like Paul says, so that we can advance the gospel. There shouldn't be just one way of evangelizing. And so this leads me to like a point I want to talk about real quick is like a new evangelization. Like, let's start opening the doors for everybody to start preaching it. Because after Vatican II, I know sometimes the language and people aren't, don't agree with some things, but the lay the layman is supposed to be evangelizing. Our, our, we don't have a lot of priests, and th there are a lot of times our priests are very overloaded. One priest, 2,000 people, sometimes not even a deacon in the church, sometimes only two with like two or 3,000 people, sometimes more in the parish. We as laymen need to start standing up and evangelizing, and I'm, not, I'm saying evangelizing what Paul said. Christ and him crucified. Sometimes our evangelists out there, they're so into apologetics. They're so into theology that a big reason people are leaving the church is because they're finding it better in Joel Osteen. Because they're finding they're finding it better at the non-denominational churches, actually. You know, a lot of them are. I, they're going, why? Because it's the preaching. Praise God for mass. That's mass. But outside of mass, there has to be something more where we're preaching Christ and him crucified. And they're seeing our excitement. They're seeing our joy. They're seeing the transformation because when we go to mass, it's about reverence. It's not about getting excited like that in mass, even though I get excited every time I take the Eucharist. I love it so much. Um, it's not about that in mass. It's about revering God and worshiping God through the sacrifice right there. But outside of that, what do we do? How do we get people to get more engaged? That's why I came up with the cross training. So I want to engage with people who are leaving the faith or with non-Catholic, non-Christians that are not, I mean, non-Catholic Christians and sharing with them that the Holy Spirit's here. We evangelize. We preach the gospel. We've been doing it for 2,000 years with that encouragement and love using scriptures to back up everything that we say. And so it's, it's a big part of who I am. I'll actually be speaking at a little event that's non-Catholic on Sunday. I am going to. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit of the faith there. And I told them, if you guys want me to speak there, you guys want me to speak, I'm sharing the Catholic Church of 2,000 years of history. I won't go into all the doctrines. I'll read right from scriptures. But I have to let people know that I'm Catholic. You guys are asking me to come here to this event at this park. I have to let them know. If not, I'm not going to go speak there. But I have to let people know that the church is here because a lot of people say, man, I've never seen a Catholic like you or I don't. It's a rarity that I see Catholics like you. I said, no, there's a lot of Catholics like me. We're just we're just in the woodworks. They're, they're building up this this remnants coming out and we're going to start coming out. We're going to start preaching the gospel. We're going to start sharing the faith because there's so many things that are going wrong in the world. I think it's time that another because we everybody has their own ministry. You know, we're all the body of the Catholic Church. We're all the body of Christ, you know. But I think there needs to come more men to start coming out and evangelizing and sharing the scriptures the way the non-denominational churches do it. It's because that's what's pulling people. That's what's pulling people towards those, their churches. Um, that's why I call myself a trasmatic. Yeah, so do you know what you know what that what that means? A sort of a, a charismatic traditional Catholic. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm a trasmatic all the way. I'm a tra I'm a traditionalist. I go to a I go to a Latin mass weekly at San Secundo de Asti, 
with Father James Lane out in Ontario, California. They have a ministry called Lucio Missio that I'll be speaking at at the end of the month. And I love it. I love the reverence. I, I love the adoration and reverence of God. I love the traditionalists. They hold the mass that I believe was being held. It may not be the same form. I'm not going to say it's the same form, okay? Because it's evolved over time. But in the catacombs, when we were hiding out from Nero and Domitian, those emperors that were persecuting our church, I believe that the Latin mass was the mass that was being held in the catacombs. So that's why I started going to the Latin mass again, all the way, the silence, the way the priest speaks, the, he faces, um, was at or, what is it called? Ad orientem. Yeah. And so he faces towards the altar because he's focusing on God. It's not a focus on us. Sometimes I go to a Latin mass that's 1955. And sometimes I go to the Latin mass that's 1962. So there's, there's those two different ones that I've, that I've learned about since I've now been attending them. So sometimes we, we contribute a little bit with the choir and stuff like that. And sometimes it's all about the altar servers and the priests standing in place of us being the, the audience back behind them. And so I just, I love it. I love the, the homilies that come afterwards for some reason in the traditional masses, they don't hold up. There's not a time frame. They're not like, Hey, we got 10 minutes for this homily. No, the homilies are like, 30 minutes, 35, 40 minutes, and they're preaching fire. Every single time I go, it is fire inside of there. So for the traditional Latin mass, I, there's a lot of respect and love that I have from it, especially because it's it's a part of the app. I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I like, I like saying it's a part of the apostolic succession. It's been passed on the Latin mass from generation to generation, not just with the Pope and the apostles and the bishops being passed on and the priests over the time, but that mass has been passed on over time, even though Council of Trent has now configured it to be what we see pretty much today. It's been passed on over the years. It's been something we've been held, we can hold on to, whether you were in China, whether you were in Japan, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in America, England, South America, the Latin mass always like kept us together. And so that is one thing I totally respect and I honor about it. But I notice sometimes men and women in the Latin mass can be kind of awkward and no disrespect to nobody out there, please. I don't want to disrespect, but not very full of zeal, not on fire, like praise God, you know, like after mass, not in mass, because that's worshiping. That's all about God, but afterwards. And they lack a few things um, that I believe that's why I'm a transmatic because I'm also part of a charismatic movement that's called El Sembrador. It's called, they're, they're charismatic. Um, you should look them up. They're really big too. They have big events where like last, what was it, like three months ago, there was 8,000 women at the LA Convention Center. 8,000 women for three days or for two days for a weekend, worshiping and loving God. And a lot of times, even though they're charismatic, if we're inside, like say for instance, we hold an event inside of a parish, most of the women are veiled up. So even though these are charismatic, these women hold a lot of traditional roots. They still hardcore into praying the rosaries, understanding the order of um, the church. It's not really like it's different. But one thing I will say about the charismatic movement that I that I enjoy about it is fellowship. I think it's important for us to fellowship and speak life into one another. Like it says in Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren and not just in mass, 
because we needed to edify and build each other up. But we can't edify and build each other up if we're just meeting in mass because mass is about adoration and worship of God. It's not about talking with our brothers and sisters inside of mass. That's what I adore about. And I go to a ministry every Friday night in Azusa, California, where I'm actually part of the praise team. So I go up on stage and we sing contemporary Christian songs, hymns, various different songs. Sometimes they'll do a Gregorian chant or an Ave Maria, which is really nice. My my leader's a really great singer. And so we have we have testimony. Well, first we'll sing praise music. This is a fellowship. This isn't mass, this is a fellowship. We'll have praise music. We'll sing a couple of praise songs. And then we'll go, somebody will give a testimony of what God's doing in their life, how he's been transforming their life and how he's moved in them, you know, and to see where they're at today. After that, we'll get have a guest preacher. I'll actually be preaching there on uh, at my uh, at my um, fellowship on June 23rd, and so God's opening doors big time for me. I, I thank Him so much. I've been patient the last three years, been really patient with a lot of doors being closed on me. A lot of love, don't get that wrong, but I had to work my spot into there, just like Saint Paul. Saint Paul, he just wasn't give it to him. There, he was three years in the desert. And then he had to work after that because nobody wanted to trust who he was. So he kept on going from place to place. That's kind of like how I am. I'm in San Bernardino, but I'm in Orange County. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in San Diego. I'm at all these different parishes sharing the faith, even though I have my home. And so with the charismatics also, we have preaching and then we'll have um, prayer afterwards. So we'll have a guest preacher and then we'll pray with each other afterwards. We'll all stand up and we'll get together and we'll pray together. You know, it's really this like love of evangelization. They're big on evangelizing because we have a ministry right now called I Am the 73. And I Am the 73 is Noel Diaz created it. It's one thing to be a part of a ministry, which is the sower, El Sembrador. It's E-S-N-E, which is the new... The sower, new evangelization. So, El Sembrador Nuevo um, Evangelación. So, the new evangelization. It's actually where we have support from the Pope. So, you know, Pope Francis, Papa Francis, he actually supports us. Um, he's actually, they've gone, Noel Diaz has gone to the Vatican multiple times. And even when Pope Benedict and Pope St. John Paul II were around, they both bless this ministry. So it's not just a ministry that they did. It's been around for about 30 years now, 39 years. So Noel Diaz has built it up from the ground up and they have huge major events, mainly Spanish, but the English has been starting to grow over the last 15 years. But they have that evangelization, wanting to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. It's important because I love the Latin, the traditionalists, but the traditionalists are so much on reprimanding everybody else that they forget that we got to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a, you know, we, we, we got we to show love. That's what Jesus did. Yeah, we reprimand. We have to. It's a part of, we, we have to tell our brothers and sisters to turn away from sin. But at the same time, Jesus didn't change hearts by hating them or by always picking on them. I, I believe that. And then also at the same time with the charismatics, I believe there's some things that maybe I, I don't totally agree with, just like with the new mass. I go to new mass too. And I love it because it's the Eucharist I go for, even though I believe there should be some more reverence, kind of like holding up the hands like this during the Our Father. I don't agree with that because a priest is doing that. And the reason why he's holding his hands up like this, because he's in persona Christi and he's representing Jesus Christ on the cross when he holds his hands up like this. That's why he does it. Or always genuflecting before you go in your seats. Every time you hear the name of Jesus bowing because every knee shall bow before the name of Jesus but we do a quick 
like this every time you hear Jesus' name in the profession of the creed, the Gloria, even because I'm, I'm a reader, I'm a proclaimer of God's word. They say lector, but I know that's not the correct word. Only a deacon and a priest can be a lector. So I'm a reader of God's word. But even when I'm reading this last Sunday, I bow when I hear Jesus Christ's name, you know, every time. I know, like, when we're just having a conversation, we say Jesus' name. You would be odd if I go like this every time. So I don't do it every time. But when I'm in mass, I make sure that it's a part of who I am. And those, those things they can learn from wearing the veil. Even though you don't have to. God, you're not going to go to hell if you don't wear a veil. But the Bible tells women to wear veils when they go in the church. So I believe that the new mass and the old mass, the Latin mass, um, charismatics and traditionalists, we can all learn a lot from one another. Why? It's because it's like going to a reunion. Because I know I know um, charismatics that won't go, or the new mass, people who go to new mass that won't go to Latin mass. I know for sure traditionalists, it's a, you have to drag them by the neck for them to go to the new mass. It's the Eucharist. That's what it's about. In the end, it's all been said it's okay, and we're like a family. So it's like going to a family reunion, I was saying. When you go to a family reunion, you hang out with certain cliques of the family. You know, like, this is my family. These are my cousins. or, And then the other family members are over there, but they're still a part of the same reunion. We're still a part of the same family, and we're still, we still love one another. And we shouldn't act like, I'm a traditionalist, and, and yeah, Vatican, please leave the traditionalists alone. I, I love the Vatican. I love Pope Francis, but please leave the landmass alone. Let it be. We have a lot of rights within our church. And, but if, when we start seeing each other as a family, because we're not Protestant. So it's not like, okay, this is the Latin mass and charismatics are Protestant. No, we're all Catholics. We all follow the same teachings. We all follow the same sacraments. We all follow the same Eucharist. We all follow the same sacrifice of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. Veneration of the saints, veneration of Mama Mary. You know, that hyperdulia, not just veneration, but that hyperdulia, that highest honor of of veneration that we give her when we start seeing each other in that aspect that we're families we can grow because we have a bigger enemy y'all we have the devil that doesn't want to see us happy when we are divided we cannot stand tall together and so that's why i call myself a transmatic because i'm at both why because my goal in the end is to try if i can be just a little part of it that starts bringing us back together as a family let us not look at the things that we disagree on but let's, let us look at all the millions of things that we do agree on. If we got a scale right here and I put the things that traditionalists and charismatics or the new mass and the Latin mass, the different like things we agree on is this side. Things we don't agree on, on this side, this is a scale. It would be like this. Like this arm would be like this scale would be way up here. And this this side that we don't agree on would literally be on the ground. And it's for the love of Jesus Christ that he founded on Peter, Matthew 16, 18. You are Peter. You are key. You are Kephas. And on this Kephas, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. You know, he gave him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever he bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever he loose on earth. You got control of it. It's going to be loose in heaven, brother. Pretty much Jesus was telling him. He gave him this full authority. And we're all a part of this body. And I just, I, I want us to start seeing more of a, a love in our church because we're already combating against the transgenderism, uh, against the, the pro-choice movement, all the ideologies, the, the say those fake Satan comms. Come on, get real. 
it's so, so stupid, man. Sorry, excuse me right there, but it's just so stupid, the same cons. Satan doesn't love them, man. Like, they're ridiculous to even think about that. But when we start coming together in love and seeing that, that we're all blood, we all have the same blood. We all have the same blood. We all have the same blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that runs through our souls. And so that's where I'm, I'm really big on that. That's why I say I'm trismatic. I want to bring us together in more unity than just so much disunity. God's good. He is indeed. And Eric, he's put a fire in your soul. And uh, you've been able to share that with us. And uh, God willing, affect a lot of us, infect a lot of us with that same fire so that we too might go out and proclaim the word of the Lord. Where can people find out uh, and keep a hold of you? Subscribe and um, any feedback you have. Traditional, it's at YouTube. Traditional Urban Christian. So Traditional Urban Christian on YouTube. I put out a lot of shorts right now. Plus, as you guys can see, I'm in the studios at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So eventually, and I'm hoping in time after this, they think this is really big. They actually call me to their studios because I come and film here. I do a lot of my shorts and interviews that I've been doing lately. Like Alex, I got to give props out right now. Alejandro Rodriguez is my brother. He's my friend. He's someone who's just, he's taken a part of my heart that that's why you guys were able to hear about what God's doing in my life. You know, I didn't expect him to do that, but Alejandro, I know you're going to be seeing this. I love you, bro. He's an amazing individual. So I just wanted to make sure I brought him up because if, if it wasn't for God's grace and Alejandro being my friend and sharing this with you, because he's your, he's your intern out here on the West coast. He does the editing and stuff amazing young man on fire that's i'll be speaking at his um his group on the 27th the lucio missio the traditional church out there at san segundo he's giving me that opportunity to share this zeal and this fire and what god's doing in my life so once again if anybody wants to um subscribe or check out my channel it's traditional urban christian i'm sharing the faith in there anything i talk about it's from scripture. Later on, I'll go into more apologetics, but like I talk about Mama Mary being the new Eve, Mama Mary being the new Ark of the Covenant, and I break it down in scriptures. And I do a lot of shorts every day. Like today was bless the Lord of my soul, you know, and just talking about his mercy and graces from Psalms 103, his mercy and graces that bestow upon all of us, the different parables of Jesus, just sharing the faith in God's love. And if you guys have any feedback, please leave comments. I, if you do leave comments, I will leave my email address. I'll even say it right now, traditionalurbancatholic at gmail.com. I'm in the Southern California area, sharing the faith, building up my brothers and sisters, all for the glory of God. Amen. Eric Tafoya, thank you so very much for joining us. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. You're doing a lot of great things. And I really, I line up with everything you talk about. And so I'm hoping that we could do some work together because I'm the foot soldier. I could be a foot soldier out here for you out in California too. I'm very active. Awesome, Eric. Thank you and God bless you. God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.